Spirit, one God, amen. May his grace and his blessing be with us now and unto the age of all ages, amen. Today, brothers and sisters, we celebrate the Holy and Divine Liturgy on the first Sunday of the blessed Coptic month of Missouri. And our mother, the Holy Church, nourished us with the passage today from the Gospel according to St. Luke, chapter 20, in which our Lord Jesus Christ spoke what is known as the parable of the vineyard. And by all means, this is what we would call a cautionary tale. It is a story about the Jews who were the first chosen people of God. We see God laboring and planting a beautiful vineyard and subsequently inviting certain vine dressers to maintain it and to give him the fruit. And as we learn from St. Ambrose of Milan, that vineyard, that vineyard represented the nation of the Jews and the vine dressers represented the leaders of the Jews. In his love and patience, God sends representative after representative to those vine dressers in order to collect the fruit they owe him. But those vine dressers treat each of the representatives shamefully. And so finally, God sends his own beloved son to the vineyard, thinking that they would treat his son with respect. But what do they actually do? They kill him outside of the vineyard, which of course is a prophecy of how the Jews crucified our Savior outside the gates of Jerusalem, a punishment that was reserved for the worst of the criminals under Jewish law at the time. And now in the version of this parable found in Matthew chapter 21, our Savior asked the Jewish leaders who listened to the parable what should happen to these wicked vine dressers? And they all answered in one accord, he will destroy those wicked men miserably and lease his vineyard to other vine dressers who will render to him the fruits in their seasons. And in this way, we see that the Jewish leaders condemn themselves from their own mouths. With God's grace this morning, I would like to meditate on this parable with you in only three points. Firstly, let us speak about the loving care of God in this parable. You know, this parable teaches us a lot about the character of God. You want to understand who God is, you read the Holy Scripture, and you study His action with the human race. You study His interaction, how He deals with us. And this is one of the passages today that really shows us the character of God. He, of course, is the owner of the vineyard, which he himself planted. He himself dug the dirt around the vineyard and removed all of the weeds. He built the wine press and the tower to make the vineyard useful. He planted a fence around the perimeter of the vineyard to protect it. Now, I realize that all of these actions might seem foreign to many of us because we, don't long, no, we no longer farm all day as maybe people back in the day used to. But the point when you think about all of these different actions is that God labored diligently in order to create this beautiful vineyard and to make it useful. Sometimes we have a distorted image of God thinking that he doesn't care about the small or the insignificant aspects of life. But what we actually find in today's parable and elsewhere in scripture is an image of 
the loving care of God who continually and meticulously works in our lives to provide us with every needful and good thing. Those among you who understand this the most probably are the parents, because once God blesses a married couple with a child, everything changes, everything changes. We become consumed with every small detail of our child's life to ensure that he or she is healthy and happy and growing in the right way. A modern saint, I, I like to remind this uh, to you, remind you of this constantly, a modern saint, he tells us that before we're married, we have every right and minimal responsibility. When we get married, we have some rights and some responsibility, but when we have children, we have no rights and only responsibility. And in a sense, this helps us to understand the loving care of God. Once He brought us into existence out of His love, He continually cares for us down to the smallest and most minute detail. Like when He assures us elsewhere in the Gospel that each hair of our head is counted and known by Him. Secondly, brothers and sisters, let us meditate on the patience of God in today's parable. We see that God, after essentially doing all of the work in building this vineyard and making it useful, he invited vine dressers to help him in the work. And all the vine dressers had to do was take care of the branches and then present the fruit to God. That's all they had to do. But sadly, time and time again, these vine dressers failed to give him the fruit that he expected. In the midst of these failures, we see the great patience of God because after the first failure, He doesn't get angry. After the first failure, He doesn't consume them in His wrath, but instead He, he sends to them representative after representative in order to collect what He expected. But the vine dressers treat each of these representatives shamefully. They were all beaten and they were sent back empty-handed. And from this we learn another important aspect about God. We learn that He is a God of expectations. He expects things from us. God is waiting for us to bear fruit. In building that vineyard in such a careful and meticulous way, He has invested in every single one of us and He expects us to bear fruit. I emphasize this point because sadly, we oftentimes see God as one who exists just to continue forgiving us and giving us everything we need and also everything we want without us ever having to offer anything back in return. For example, we want Him to hear our prayers when things are not going well but when things are going well, we don't bother praying. We ask Him for wealth, success, and prosperity, but when it's time to fast, when it's time to deprive ourselves out of our love for Him, to give up some of the luxuries of this world, we apologize and we say, no, 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 it's too hard, or I never got used to doing that, 
or this is, I don't think God really wants this. God is fine the way I am. Just let me continue enjoying life as, as it is. But the reality is, as we see from today's parable, is that God has invested in each and every one of us, and He expects fruit in return. He expects something from us. When those vine dressers treated his representative shamefully, God then resolved to send his only begotten son, thinking that they would treat him well and they would respect him. And look at the great patience of God here. Even after the shameful treatment of his representatives, he says, I am going to send my most precious and beloved son to them. And those vine dressers, when they saw the son, they should have repented. They should have asked for forgiveness for all of the horrible things that they did to the other representatives, and most of all, for not bearing fruit and presenting it to God. That's what they should have done. But what did they actually do? They killed the son outside of the gates of the vineyard, just as our Savior was put to death as a criminal outside the gates of Jerusalem. Lord, have mercy when you think about how these vine dressers responded and how we oftentimes today do the same thing without realizing. There is a beautiful prophecy about all of this in the book of Judges, chapter 14. Do you remember Samson? Uh, he was one of the judges of Israel. In this prophecy, Samson is a type or a symbol of Christ. And one day Samson came with his father and mother to a certain vineyard, and there at this vineyard a young lion attacked him. But Samson, in his great strength, tore that lion apart. And the fact that this all happened near a vineyard brings our minds to this parable. Samson is Christ. He is a symbol of Christ on the cross. His father is God the Father to whom our Lord spoke on the cross. And his mother is, of course, the Holy Virgin Mary, who stood at the foot of the cross. And that young, ferocious lion that tried to attack Samson, but ultimately was torn apart, that is the devil. And that is sin. And that is death, whom Christ defeated and humiliated on the cross. But all of this happened next to a vineyard, which brings our minds to today's parable. And I mention all of this because it reminds us of the righteous Joseph's words, which conclude the book of Genesis. These are basically the last words in the book of Genesis. Joseph is speaking to his brothers who sold him into slavery, who treated him shamefully and did all kinds of evil against him. <coughs> against him. And Joseph spoke to his brothers and said to them, You took counsel against me for evil, but God took counsel for me for good, that the matter might be as it is today, and many people might be fed. In modern language, if I could summarize what Joseph says, says here, he says, You meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. And so these vine dressers, they thought that if they killed the son, they did this evil, they would inherit the vineyard for themselves. But in the end, God used the death of his son for an even greater purpose, an even greater good, 
And that is the defeat of the devil and sin and death on the cross. Third and finally, brothers and sisters, let us speak quickly about another characteristic of God in today's parable, and that is the vengeance of God. We oftentimes have, again, a very distorted view of who God is, and we oftentimes only see His mercy, but we never see His justice. And the world certainly emphasizes this idea, giving us the impression that we can do whatever we want, but in the end, God is going to accept us as though we were holy or saintly, even though we never strived for this, even though that was never our goal. But this is a distortion of who God is. Yes, God is mercy. Yes, His love is scandalous. It's a free love that He gives to everyone. Yes, God is fundamentally love mercy and compassion, but that doesn't take away from the fact that God is also just. If we refuse His mercy, if we refuse His love over and over again, eventually the time is going to run out and we are not going to be able to accept it. Because after all, God gave us free will, and even though He is full mercy, He is complete and whole mercy, He will never make His mercy override our free will. He will never override our free decision, our free choice, whether to love Him or not. We have to accept His love. We have to accept His mercy before time runs out. In today's parable, our Savior uses a beautiful way of showing us His justice. He tells the story of the vineyard, and then he asks his listeners, what should the owner do? He asks us, what do you think after all of this, after sending representative after representative, and finally sending his own son, who is killed by the vine dressers, what should the owner do? You tell me. He asks the listeners, and he places the decision on them, and that way they will accept the judgment more easily because it comes from their own mouths. And this technique was used earlier in the Holy Scripture in Isaiah's prophecy of the vineyard, another a reference to the vineyard. I encourage you to read this chapter today. It's chapter 5, uh, verses 1 through 7. And you will see that it is almost identical to today's parable from the Gospel according to St. Luke. In the story from Isaiah, the Lord describes his vineyard and all of the wonderful things that he did for it, but he laments the fact that it hasn't borne any fruit. So then he asks the listeners a very similar question. He says, judge between me and the vineyard. What shall I do with this vineyard? And so we see the very same technique that is being used today. And the same technique, by the way, was used as well with David uh, when he sinned and he committed sin with Bathsheba. And God sent the holy prophet Nathan to tell him uh, exactly what he did. And then David became angry and said, this man who did this should be killed. And Nathan said, this man is you. You are the one who sinned in this way. And David realized his sin and he repented. 
And so today our Savior does the same thing. He goes over the history of how God dealt bountifully with his people, the Jews, and how they repeatedly murdered the prophets who were sent to them. And then finally they murdered the son. And so he asks them, what should be done? And they all respond and say, God should bring those wretches to an end. They condemn themselves with their own mouths. And this, in fact, is precisely what happened. After God the Son was put to death by the leaders of the Jews, the Jews were ultimately cut off. They were divorced from God. The agreement that God made with them in the Old Testament, the Old Covenant, was shattered. Their temple, as Christ told them, was utterly destroyed by the Romans in the year 70. Not one stone was left on top of the other. Their priesthood was decimated and came to an end, and the vast majority of them were scattered abroad all over the world until finally in the 1940s and 1950s, when the modern state of Israel came to be, many of them returned from Eastern Europe and from other parts of the world, and they came and they settled there and tried to reform their land. But we see that they were scattered like the people with no home until the modern state of Israel came to be in 1948. I'm always surprised to see people speaking about the biblical prophecies about how the Jews are still the chosen people of God, etc. We hear this even today in the evangelical churches, but this way of thinking is wrong because old Israel has passed away. And in its place now, God has the church. Everything that was promised to Israel, to the Jews, has now passed to the church, to the Christians. As we say in the Divine Liturgy, we were seated in the shadow of death and in darkness, and Christ came and He invited us to be His own people. And so we see that the leaders of the Jews condemned themselves by their own mouths. Now, brothers and sisters, if we today are God's own people, then today the church is giving us this gospel passage as a cautionary tale. There is a new vineyard now. On the one level, it is the whole church, but on another level, it is your life. Your life is this vineyard. And you are that vine dresser responsible for that vineyard that is your life. And God is expecting fruit from you. God has expectations from you. So what are you going to do? What are you going to do? Are you going to treat his representative shamefully when a priest or a servant or a family member reaches out to you lovingly to help you do the right thing, to help you bear some of that fruit for God? Are you going to send him or her away empty-handed? When God sends his beloved son to you in the form of his body, the church, are you going to reject him? Are you going to put him to death by continuing to sin and not repenting? Brothers and sisters, we need to bear fruit. 
We need to stop existing for our own desires and pleasures only to have God come and find nothing in our vineyard. If we live a life like this, we are in danger of falling under the judgment of God who says he will destroy the wicked vine dressers after trying over and over again to send representatives and even his son in his mercy. God gave all the mercy that could have been warranted and more than that. But in the end, the judgment finally came when they refused his mercy. Let us not be like that, brothers and sisters. When God offers us mercy, when he sends us his representatives, when he sends us the Holy Church and the doors of the church are open and we are able to repent and we're able to confess and we have Bibles and we can read and we can go and follow the commandments and live the Beatitudes, when we're able to do all of this, let us do these things because this is the age of mercy and now we have a chance to do these things and to be saved. Let us not turn back on all of these things so that the judgment of God will come when time has run out. May God grant each and every one of us, brothers and sisters, to care for the vineyard that is our life, that the Lord God meticulously planted, and that he gave us so that we might bear fruit to him. And glory be to God forever. Amen.